Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Sam Bradshaw, Sikkim365.com, joins us now. Sam, uh, thanks for hopping on. Uh, As always, uh, this one, um, both these teams have been so scattershot this year. This had to be a pretty interesting week for you going through film. Yes, uh, thanks for having me on. And it's definitely a mirrored season journey. They each had a disappointing week one loss to a group of five school. They each had one of the better teams in the Pac-12 dead to rights and lost in the final minute. They each got off to the conference schedule with a loss and then came back to counter it with a win last week. They're both on a somewhat similar journey. And, you know, each side is far from a complete team. And it's just that the weaknesses are in different spots of the roster. And it'll be interesting to see how they match up. So last week with Baylor, was that um, something that they've just not done yet? Or did circumstances have to be perfect for them to pull off what they did? Well, anytime you get down that big, obviously you need some things to break your way. Um, But with that said, the way that each team scored, it fits the profile of a game. You could see a team come back. Aside from the first couple drives, Baylor had moved it up and down the field basically all day. They just had done a very poor job catching in for points early in the game. Whereas UCF, they had one long touchdown where the slot receivers switched and the nickel didn't handle it well. And then they also had the one long run where they got to the outside because either the safety or the nickel didn't do a good job setting the edge. Aside from that, you had the one drive early that they put together with multiple plays for long distance and a score. But from then on, one offensive score. So it wasn't exactly like they were moving it all day. They got out to a fast start, and then Baylor adjusted. On the other side, Baylor was really able to run it all game. And once you had the uh, scoop and score to offset the one that Baylor gave them, it really put Baylor on a lot more level playing field. And kudos to the Bears. They found a way to slow down that passing attack with uh, Timmy McLean. And that really, really was critical because UCS a very good running attack. But so often this year, you've seen guys be able to pass on the Bears in critical moments. And for them to come up when it counted and deliver was huge. Yeah, and 
I don't know. Like, I wonder what would have happened had John Rice Plumley been playing in that game. I mean, maybe they don't even jump out to the start they did, but uh, maybe UCF doesn't, you know, have the the kind of mistakes they made down the stretch with him. But Timmy McLean was was good and had his moments against the Bears and made. I mean, I thought the the ridiculous, you know, fourth down play where he ran thirty yards backwards and then heaved it up. Uh, was going to be the the dead. I was like, oh, well, that's it. That's just going to be – they're going to go kick a field goal and win this game. But uh, they really showed grit for the first time this year, didn't they, Sam? Yeah, they definitely stood in there and kept fighting. And that was a good team they beat. That's a team mm-hmm. that went into Manhattan, Kansas, and only faded in the very last moments of the game. And obviously, if Plumlee plays, you have to play him a little differently, and how well Baylor translates that would be a little different. But, you know um, – you also probably don't get that highlight play that uh, Timmy McLean gave gave you uh, where he just backed up and looked almost like a point guard starting and stopping repeatedly all over the field. Um, but, no, it was it was definitely a gut check time for the Bears, and it was something that psychologically they probably needed to have break their way for the rest of the year because it doesn't get any easier from here on out. UCF was a good team, Jack's a solid team, and you're going to have – good team from here on out. you got to be ready to play. So Baron Morton at quarterback, they handled him last year in Lubbock. Um, he has not had uh, the best start to his season, I know, that he would have wanted to. But um, last year kind of looked like – last week he looked like he got his sea legs under him late in the game against Houston. Um, what do you expect from him against Baylor? Well, what I expect from him is really dependent on how well Baylor can stop the run. You know, if Baylor can stop the run with limited guys the way they were able to do last year and make this kid execute down the field, I think Baylor has a pretty good chance to match up pretty well against this offense. Now, with that said, this is a team that you have to really, really beat on first, second, and third down, or else you will be dealing with them repeatedly on fourth down. They're going to inch their way down the field. Their line's not amazing, but they'll run with a very good short area running back. They have a clear willingness to run the quarterback they do a lot of rpos where the receivers block for each other they stress they stress you laterally and they stress you with a quick passing game they do a lot to try and carve out little gains and getting them off schedule for a fourth down conversion is very very difficult uh despite the score getting out of hand baylor didn't really do it all that well last year um but they were able to force turnovers on 42 percent of text drives which clearly clearly puts the thumb on the scale on what your outcomes are going to be. And part of that was you were facing a young kid and you were making him execute over and over again. Whereas he had really beaten some of the man coverage that Oklahoma State was throwing at him. Baylor was forcing him to make multiple reads. Baylor was forcing him to make those decisions. And he coughed it up on a wheel route on a post-wheel flat that the corner played really well. He coughed it up on faking a bubble screen and then trying to hit a guy downfield who was pretending to block and then releasing for a route. And they were able to get some cheap turnovers that way. And then they got a late throw from uh, Tyler Shuck, and they also got another interception off of the Donovan Smith. And that clearly, clearly turned that game, despite Baylor doing their best to give it back with personal foul penalties and a fumbled option snap that almost let Tech back in it for a stretch. So, um, run game wise, Richard Reese finally got uh, his kind of day in the sun this year. And for whatever reasons, he hasn't been a, a major part of the offense 
in the especially in the games that they lost, it was it was kind of befuddling Sam that he had just was not a part of things. How much does he change it when he's in there? He's a very good system fit for what they want to do. He's not the biggest guy, so he doesn't give you all of what you'd like in terms of falling forward for those extra yards the way an Abram Smith would probably have a little better ability to. But he knows where to cut. He's quick. He's fast. He hits the hole hard. And he's a very good fit for the system. But with this running game, I'm worrying less about who's carrying it and more about how Tech's playing you. More than any game last year, the alignment by the defense really dictated the rushing yards last year. Because when Tech was in that tight front and they were playing those four-eye techniques really aggressively, the inside shoulder or the tackle on either side, the backside four-eye guy was effectively denying the cutback lane because he was so far inside the tackle, the tackle couldn't reach him on those wide zone blocks, which really made when Baylor ran the wide zone against that look, they got like 2.4 yards per carry. But when they ran it against normal looks, they were very, very healthy, like six, seven yards per carry. But the clear thing that may force Tech out of that look this year is the fact that Baylor completely humiliated him with that quick toss because they pulled those defensive ends so tight inside, they were able to pin them inside, pull the tackle and guard outside, and that quick toss all of a sudden had numbers on the sideline. And I think Baylor averaged like nine yards a carry on that little concept. And it will be interesting to see how Tech adjusts. Is it something where they change their alignment and lose some of their efficiency against the wide zone that way? Or is it something where they double down on the tight front but leave something open in coverage and dare Blake Shapin to beat them? Does is this a game where they they can't also do? I mean, they can't keep doing what they did and, and fall behind like they have the last few weeks. Uh, they've got to start starting fast, don't they, Sam? Obviously, a fast start you you need it, and especially against this tech team because they will do everything they can to stay on the field. They'll go for it on fourth down. They will stress you laterally. They'll run the quarterback. They'll throw different types of run schemes at you you need to be getting off to a good start because this is a solid offense you're facing. Now, I think Baylor can run on that defense if they play them honest. It's just a question of how they're going to come out and what part of Baylor's offense is going to have to take on the brunt of it because Baylor's offense is pretty well complementary of each other. The wide zone opens up certain things. The toss takes the pressure off the wide zone. The passing game and the play-action game complement those. It will be very interesting to see how Tech defends them based off just how you line up this way. You're going to stop this and be weak to this. They had last year. Uh, just kind of – that's the part of the matchup that really intrigues me because they were – depending on how you looked at it, they were either incredibly successful against Baylor's basic scheme or they were incredibly unsuccessful just depending on how they lined up. And what – scheme they bring into the game defensively will determine a lot. And then also, does Baylor have those defensive tackles back? If they have that, the ability to play with few numbers in the box and play outnumbered against the run and live to tell about it becomes exponentially higher. Sam, uh, what did you predict on Sigum365.com? I predicted a small Baylor win, but it's one of those that – I've honestly gone back and forth because both teams have some clear strengths where I could see both of them get the advantage on the other one. In Tech's case, I could see Baylor not fitting the run quite well or not having a full complement of D linemen. And then from there, giving up fourth down after fourth down after fourth down 
and then Tech coming up with a disruptive way to get a, to get Baylor off the field that may not necessarily mean that you're all that great of a defense, but you'd break serve much faster than the Bears would. On the other side, Tech hasn't looked all that great stopping the run. And outside of the tight front, which opened up some other vulnerabilities for them last year, they really didn't look all that solid against the wide zone last year. So I could see Baylor getting the better of that team on that side. And then, you know, they forced Morton into a lot of different looks. It seems like they have a pretty good concept of how to play this kid. So I could see Baylor pull away on that one. It really is one where they each have some warts. And I just go back and forth on who's got the matchup advantage here. It's really going to be more of a coaching duel here. Sam Bradshaw, Sikkim365.com. If you want to read Sam's work, subscribe to our premium section. Sikkim365.com always got great specials going on. Sam, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on. All right, Sam Bradshaw. There you go. Breaking it down, X's and O's for you there. I I can't imagine two more befuddling teams so far in this season than Baylor and Tech. Like, who are you? What do you do well? What do you do well? Like, can you do a thing well two games in a row? Neither of these teams have really done that to the the point where you'd be confident in them. Well, not to give a cop-out answer to what you're stating as the premise, but um, it's tough to say something they've done well back-to-back weeks because they haven't done a lot well, period. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, also, that in, in, in another sense, they're very befuddling just because of how how different their stories of the season are going compared to the expectations. Yeah, people probably some people thought Baylor was quietly going to push towards the top of the conference again after having a down year. That's just not happening. Yeah, Texas Tech was one of the loudest offseason hype trains, and not only did they lose their their starting quarterback, who people thought that hey he he is possibly one of the better borderline what top five QBs in the league. Yeah, and before he was injured, and and best wishes to him on his recovery. He was not even close to that. Yeah. Like, he was just a guy back there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, John, uh, my friend John, texts me this. Baylor Tech is the identity bowl this weekend. Who are you? Like, this, find some identity and move forward. The team that can is going to be set up a lot better than the team that won't because I know three and three and two and four is only one game difference, but at the sixth game of the season – it's it's a lot. It really is. That's the biggest one-game chasm you can imagine because of what it says about who you are, especially, like, if one of these teams blows the other one out, like, you got a question about, like, all right, what do you have What do you have in here yeah. for the rest of it? I also forward? I do think the stakes are possibly a little higher for Tech. I just think mm-hmm. the rest of their schedule is tougher. Mm-hmm. And so if you come out on the worst end of this one, which is definitively a winnable game for them, then um, – then you've got a lot more questions that will just continue to pile up because they've got a tougher rest of the schedule. Baylor's last couple, uh, last tough games after after this week are going to be at TCU, at Kansas State, and hosting West Virginia. I think those are literally yeah. the last three games. But Baylor's got some winnable competitions with uh, Cincinnati and Iowa State. Look, Texas Tech's schedule after this is Kansas State at BYU, TCU at home at Kansas. We'll probably have Jalen Daniels back for that that one. You'd think uh, a month from now, over a month from back. now, who knows? But UCF, um, who 
we'll see who they are, you know, as they as they put it together. And then they end the season at Texas very famously. Everyone knows that because of what Brett Yormark uh, said about, about beating them again this year. So going to be interesting. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.